0: Hello, hello beautiful people. Welcome to another episode of This Is Ours Podcast. I'm your host Amina and this is my podcast where my motto is to be unapologetically intentional. So it's been a while. Honestly, life has really just been happening. I can't tell you the amount of times I put record podcasts in my planner on the whiteboard in my room. The amount of times I was sure that that day was the day I was going to record, but I don't know Something was just blocking me, I guess. I wrote a majority of, like, the notes for this episode, like, six weeks ago at the beginning of all the the quarantine stuff. Um, And a lot has happened since then for everybody listening, I'm sure. I hope everyone is keeping safe and sane in these crazy times. So, as I was saying, this episode has been on my heart to record for a bit. And then one night, like, I think four nights ago, or, like, 3 a.m., I was reading a Wattpad book, and if you know, if you know, um, I it's basically just a platform that has like an app that has like books on it. But anyways, I just started crying. Literally, it was the most random thing. Three a.m. I was reading this book, and I was like, bawling. And to give context, like I it's been a while since I've cried, so I was very confused. I couldn't explain it. It just did. I just started crying, and then I found myself thinking about my dad. Um. Which led me to this Facebook page that my auntie created where people like basically kind of reminisce and speak to the person he was. And of course you can imagine the crying just continues. So here I am like 3am crying and before you know it like I was typing away on my computer. So here you go. I hope you enjoyed this episode. So for those new to this space, my hope for one of my hopes for this year was to remain in my gratitude, regardless of what situation I was going through. Um, So that's why I added on this gratitude corner segment of the podcast. And I think especially with everything that's going on, it's so important for us to take the time to be grateful for the blessings in our lives. Um, And so today I'm grateful for my health. I'm grateful that I have a job that I love. grateful for a roof over my head and for an amazing support system. I have a second gratitude today but I decided to save it for the end of today's episode so if you want to know what it is stay tuned. The next segment I'm calling TV tweets and triggered and shout out to at blessed tiff for the title. So this segment is twofold the first half I will discuss some thoughts from a TV show I've been watching if you are new to this space I am always always watching something so there's many many thoughts and the second half I will discuss something from a social media from social media so a tweet or a picture on Instagram that triggered me that I felt that I needed to share so a caveat to this is I've actually been off social media for about 5 weeks now um so the triggered part is actually from like my thoughts from something I read I think At the first time i wrote this which was like six weeks ago anyways let's get right into it so the first quote is brought to you by new amsterdam and in retrospect the quote actually speaks a lot to to today's episode um although the context is a bit different so the context context of this quote is in relation to alcoholism but it can definitely be used in a different context We live in a system that looks away, we live in a culture that discourages asking for help or speaking up, which makes it very easy to self-destruct. I think for me, when I heard this on the show, as I said, I think it can be used for a variety of contexts. I think we, as a society, put a lot of, hmm, just a lot of, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for, just a lot of. Emphasis maybe is the what I'm looking for on being strong and just being able to hold the weight of the world on your shoulders, and people are always like, "Oh my gosh, that person is so strong, but I think the flip side to that is it discourages asking for help or speaking up because you feel like you have to be able to handle the weight or whatever it is that you're going through, so I think that's something that really relates to today's episode. Um, The second quote is brought to you by Adrian Bailone from The Real, and it goes, As a child of an immigrant, even when you want to speak up, you are taught just to be happy you are here. This one is very interesting for me. I find that as I'm on this journey of finding my voice, I've had to be very careful. I remember when I was initially starting this podcast, and my mom asked me to be careful about the topics I was going to be discussing. And I've had aunts tell me to be careful with things I repost on my social media. And I can't lie, my initial reactions to these comments have always been like hostility. But to be fair, I understand where they're coming from. But it's still this very unhealthy space to navigate, trying to speak up for what you believe in and feeling that you are indebted to the very systems that you sometimes feel compelled to speak against. So I think this this very fine line I've had to navigate, especially recently with you don't want to say too much and like make yourself vulnerable to repercussions, but at the same time feeling like you almost have to speak up for certain things. Um, I don't know, let me know if anyone listening is having like a similar kind of conundrum. So the second half of this segment, Triggered, um, it's interesting how you see it sweet and you feel triggered because they're speaking directly to you. And then you read the comments and realize that so many people also feel the same way you do. I think there's definitely a lot to say about how validating that is. And the first tweet is definitely one of those. It's a thread but the first tweet in the thread reads, I grew up tiptoeing, watching the shifts of mood so I won't offend or bother. It's very bad for me to out- outwardly express pain or hard feelings because of this. The thread continues with the writer stating that they never had space for their mental health to be coddled always having to push, keep going, do this, do that, get up. Sometimes they needed a hug and not a lecture. They end the thread explaining that they are now aware that it is their responsibility to heal. The responses range from people disclosing how they often felt like they had to invalidate their feelings, people seeming quote-unquote distant, as a means of self-protection, individuals shared that they didn't know how to express their feelings because they didn't like to burden others with their problems or thoughts that may have seemed contradictory. Others shared how they felt they had been performing, pretending and bottling up their real emotions. And stay tuned because this speaks directly to today's episode. Um one person tweeted about feeling like they had a victim mentality. And this one really triggered me because I've been feeling like this lately. Um, they responded, someone else responded to this specific tweet about victim mentality stating how important it is to feel the full spectrum of your emotions and how contrary to popular belief, that doesn't make you a victim. The third goes on and on with a lot of replies from individuals who felt they could relate to the initial tweet and I'm definitely one of those people and as I said, today's episode speaks a lot to this. So... On to today's episode, which is titled The Weight of the Performance. My first inspiration for this episode was actually a counseling session I had as of when I wrote this three weeks prior, but as of now, it's been about two months, I guess. And the next push for this episode was actually an episode on a skinny, skinny girl in transit. And for those who are not aware, SGIT is a web series on YouTube. I definitely recommend it. And A theme of this episode is the pressure associated with my grief process. The past few months have been a lot for me. Um, I took over a position for a colleague of mine at work while she was away on leave and don't get me wrong, I loved every moment of it. I'm not sure if I've ever mentioned this but I work in a recovery house for women in addiction and I love my job. It's honestly very interesting for me because almost All the jobs I've had in the past have been a way to just get money, but this one is just so much more than that. Anyways, this interim position was a lot more responsibility than I have with my usual position, but as I said, I loved it and I found myself, like, actually very excited to go to work. But between this and school, it was definitely a lot. I was taking this extra elective for school that I really enjoyed, but I definitely found that I may have bitten off a bit more than I could chew anyway i say all of this to say it's been a trying few months 2020 has actually been a lot and i know 2020 has definitely been a lot for a lot of people all around the world so i definitely know that this is a feeling we all share so i was in this counseling session and i was talking to my counselor about how i've been especially i how i've been especially with dealing with all of this and how i was feeling overwhelmed and it got me thinking about pressure and Usually most people think of pressure in the sense of the pressure that is put on us by society. But today I'm actually going to be talking about the pressure that we put on ourselves. Although I think even I can agree that this is directly related to external pressure. So I'm a Nigerian who currently lives in Canada, an immigrant an international student. These titles come with an exceeding amount of pressure. As an immigrant, there is this understanding that you have to be a thousand times better than the individuals around you because you always have to prove something. Being a black immigrant in a predominantly white space brings its own force. Being an international student, you are navigating school with the understanding, in such pressure, of all the sacrifices that are being made for you to be in that space. There is no room for error because all the people that you may be because of all the people that you may be letting down. So my grandma is a very important part of my life and was literally my pillar growing up. And we speak maybe once a week and in most of our conversations, she always reminds me of that one conversation we had before I first moved away from home for school. And in that conversation, which I actually remember pretty vividly, we basically made a pact that I was going to be the best I could be Remembering the family I came from and all that jazz. And I'm sure if you're an international student listening, you know exactly the conversation I'm talking about. The thing I find about internal pressure is there's no space for grey. It's a lot of black and white. It's either that full spectrum of emotion that the person in the tweet was talking about is something I find that is not really awarded to you when you feel that internal pressure that you kind of put on yourself without even recognizing it. So sometime last year, I did an episode titled, I'm okay, thank you. And the episode was titled after a statement that I recite a lot. And it centered around my response to the episodes, quote unquote, I've had since my early teenage years. Anyway, I bring this up because I find that there is a black and white thing that comes with this notion of being okay. As I explained, there's no no space for that full spectrum of, emotions that you may feel. Either you are okay or you're not. And please let me know if I'm the only one that feels this way. And this actually came up again during the counseling session I was speaking about earlier. I told my counselor that I basically, I'm basically not sure if I know what it feels like to be okay. But the question is, what does it actually look like? On the other hand, I constantly feel like I'm not okay. But what yardstick am I using to measure this? And why am I putting this pressure on myself to be okay? I don't know. Maybe it has to do with years of being told that I was, quote-unquote, too moody or, quote-unquote, just to be happy. That has led me to always need to be okay. This incessant need to always be fine. And this fear of disclosing what is wrong with me. Instead, I say statements like, I'm okay. Thank you. So now there's this pressure to be okay at all times. And when I'm not, I beat myself up for not being okay. Which honestly has caused a lot of damage because what it ultimately leads to is me in bed watching a show and distracting myself from what I'm actually feeling. I have become a master of suppression. Never actually dealing, but just masking and distracting myself from whatever negative emotions I'm experiencing. Experiencing. My goal, if I can distract myself long enough with another activity, cooking, watching TV, baking, taking a stroll, then I can skate over actually feeling my feelings. I was watching Skinny Girl in Transit* the other day and I found myself somewhere else completely. I wasn't even able to adequately distract myself. And I was reflecting on the week prior and I was halted in my thoughts. Because I suddenly realised that I'd been participating in lots of just going through the motions. Just fulfilling the things on my list without actually being present in those things. For all intents and purposes, my tactic had worked, right? I was able to suppress and push through the week. But the question remains, what is the consequence of this? This past month marked the seven year anniversary of my dad's death. Now, as I've just explained, I'm very good at distracting myself and avoiding Better than I would like to be, actually, if I'm being completely honest. At this point in my head, I'm far enough removed from his death that it should not affect me to any degree. I mean, seven years is a long time, right? The thing I'm finding about grief, though, is just how complex it is. I actually spoke to about this um, during another episode, checked it out, um, called grief, the finality of it all. But anyways, I usually process the day by just zoning out. So this year, I did something very similar to what I've done years before. I pre-warned my friends that I was going to be AWOL for a bit, and then I deleted all of my social media. That, that's it. That's kind of what my ritual has been the past few years. Does it work? Not really. Do I still do it? Yes. Honestly, the anniversary wasn't the only reason why I deleted all my social media. I kind of went AWOR. I'd been feeling especially overwhelmed. So the timing worked out, and I, I think I just needed time to process. Anyway, a couple of weeks had passed and I found that I was still not quote-unquote okay. I went to work and put on a well-practiced mask of okayness. I performed the role of support worker, but then I came home, I took the mask off, and I felt horrible. When my friends checked in and asked how I was, I couldn't even give an answer, and when I did, I said, I'm okay, just dealing with it, thank you. And the weight of not being okay was causing me to feel even worse. If I'm... Being completely honest, there's a part of me that wonders if I ever will be okay, for whatever that looks like. On the other hand, there's also a part of me that is very aware of the fact that I have never dealt with any of my emotions surrounding my dad's death. I say I have, and maybe to a certain extent I have, but honestly I really haven't, which is why I have random crying sessions at 3am in the morning while reading Wattpad books. It's why I am so easily triggered by movies like What A Girl Wants and the new Netflix series Never Have I Ever. I literally was watching Never Have I Ever after being so excited for it to come out the other day. I was two episodes in and I had to stop because it hit way too close to home. A 16-year-old girl suddenly loses her dad and has to deal with her grief. So yeah, I was definitely not watching that. Something else I find very interesting with this whole performance and how it relates to my grief process is being home, home, home in Nigeria because it's the hardest for me because I think it's the only place where I can't perform. I can't just distract myself from it as easily as I do when I'm in school or with my friends because there I can actually see the spaces where he used to be and he isn't anymore as opposed to when I'm in school because I I guess I've created this life away from home and away from the idea of my dad not being there that i'm fully able to immerse myself in the performance and in this character that i've created ultimately there's this pressure to be okay to work through my grief to process my emotions which obviously is the goal but the weight of the pressure is definitely a counterintuitive byproduct of these goals so the question is where does this pressure come from i couldn't even tell you even if i wanted to I've just felt it for a really long time. And the flip side to that is the guilt I carry around. And I don't know if this guilt is a normal, quote-unquote, because what is really normal, component of grief. And I say normal with air quotes because, again, what is normal, really? Nevertheless, the guilt hits me whenever I can go a few days or a week without thinking about him, or when I realise that I don't remember what his voice sounds like. And the thing is, nobody tells you about this part, the guilt, I was watching a show the other day and the female character had just signed her divorce papers and was explaining to another character how she had not felt sad about the end of her marriage. The other character she was speaking to said something that stuck with me, that the female character felt like she may be skipping a step because she wasn't following the checklist that so many of us seem to have as to how to properly grieve. The character goes on to say that there is no checklist, no finish lines, no final exams or measuring tapes. It's your life. You deserve to feel whatever you feel whenever you feel it. A lot of people ask me why I love TV so much. And over the past year on this podcast, I've given a few reasons. But I think one of the reasons is, just like in this case, God never ceases in giving me exactly what I need to hear at at the moment I need to hear it. Case in point, Sweet Magnolias, which is the show I was just describing the morning after prepping my brain for recording and feeling all the feelings I was feeling. The character saying this was some kind of validation to how I was feeling in this, navigating this pressure and trying to figure out what I wanted to say in this episode. Moving along, another quote from Skinny Girl in Transit that really stuck with me reads, It's hard being strong, but it's okay not to be strong. I've lived a lot of my life, especially the past seven years, with this idea of what it means to be strong and not vulnerable. The vulnerability part, I think, comes from boarding school and being teased constantly about quote unquote being too emotional. And I think this has led to me detesting any kind of emotional reaction. A side note to this is what I think is funny now, looking back, is looking back and connecting the current aspects of my personality to past experiences, which is definitely a whole topic on its own, and I will definitely be diving into this. But yeah, I used to cry a lot in high school, and I think for me it was just my way of expressing my emotions. So when I got... When I felt like I was feeling too much, I cried because I could let it out. And so whenever the emotion was so powerful, crying was an outlet. So anger, sadness, frustration, you name it. But after constantly getting teased about... I'm being called a crybaby, I now hate crying, which in it of itself is dangerous because one of my mentors says, if you, f- if you don't feel your emotions, you behave your emotions. So there's this pressure to be strong and to be able to handle stuff and not break. And in the event when I do break and show sure how I'm, I'm feeling, there's this pressure to keep these episodes of emotions few and far between. And when they are not, I find myself saying things like, I'm sorry, I must sound like a broken record. And I'm sure some of my friends can attest to hearing this before. For me, again, instead of dealing with my emotions, I isolate. It's just easy, I guess, because then I don't have to justify feeling like I'm not doing okay. I find that what happens is I start to feel weak for not being able to carry the weight. I find myself chastising myself just to get over it and be happy. Because I pride myself in being strong and independent and in being able to handle things for whatever that means. So feeling like I have no control over my emotions and my grief has definitely been a challenge. I like to pretend like I'm not still grieving. And a lot of times I wish I could just go back to normal, quote unquote, what my life looked like seven years ago. Obviously that's not possible. So I guess the task is about creating a new normal for whatever that means. I was watching the trailer for this new Apple series and I heard a line that really stuck with me. There is no normal to go back to, there is just before and after. The question is, who was I before and who who am I now, which is the after. Last quote from Skinny Girls in Transit, for some reason this episode was just very much related to what I've been reflecting to in terms of this episode. What happens when you become so lost in your pain that you can't even share what is wrong with you? This line is triggering because I think it definitely sums up how I feel a lot of the time. I just can't even put into words what I'm feeling and again my solution is just to isolate because then the fear is that I sound like a broken record which puts the pressure not to say anything which ends up with me in my bed. And it's interesting because I definitely encourage my friends and even my clients with this same line of nobody is a hundred percent all the time But I think it's easier said than done and it's easier to help someone work through it than to help yourself work through it, if that makes any sense. I was reading another Wattpad book the other day and honestly again it shocked me how things always seem to come together. Movies, tv shows, even cheesy books on Wattpad when I'm reflecting on a topic for an episode or just in general. The characters in the book were planning to take a year off to travel before settling into college and it got me thinking about how sometimes I feel like I rushed through my life. I feel like I never really gave myself the freedom to not know. The opportunity to fully explore without the pressure to need to know everything. No, Nobody ever told me that there was no rush, that I could take my time in figuring out what I wanted from life. That I didn't have to be this rush to the finish line. Because like I've said on this podcast so many times, the finish line just keeps moving. But I guess... It's this fear of falling behind, for whatever that means. Because with a moving finish line, can you really fall behind? I guess that's a thought for another day. Anyway, on this I leave leave you with this thought from the book. Now I want to see things and do them. I'm giving myself permission to step out from the weight of the performance, whether that be in terms of my grief or just my life in general. I'm resting in the freedom to just be. There's no rush. Before I give you the questions, my second gratitude. Today, I'm grateful for Kelowna. Kelowna is the town I moved to a couple years ago for grad school. Earlier today, I was watching Anidrea, a British YouTuber that I follow, and she was unboxing her YouTube plaque for 100,000 subscribers. She's been doing YouTube for about five years and spoke about the importance of sticking to what you love, regardless of the numbers or what may stand in your way ultimately holding fast to the faith that God has your back regardless. She goes on to talk about how much she has learned about herself and this is in part one of the reasons why I'm so grateful for Corona. In spite of all the comments I make for wanting to get the hell out of here at any moment's notice, I'm also very aware of the person I, I have become because of Corona. I've spent a majority of my life not knowing who I am, feeling invisible, and not really worth it if I'm being completely honest. Feeling insecure kind of became my baseline. And my insecurities are definitely something I'm still working on. But nevertheless, I found myself in Kona. In the space of being by myself, I seem to have found myself. My friend Cher told me once that sometimes God puts you alone to teach you something. And I definitely believe that because the truth is, The thing about being alone is you have nothing to hide behind. I think I spent my whole life hiding in the shadows of other people without even realising it. I found so much about myself in the past almost two years. It has unearthed a lot of things though that I have to process, and I'm in the process of doing that, but even in that I have hope. I found my voice, and in that a passion I don't think I ever would have found if not for this place. Two years ago, I decided not to pursue a career that i dreamt of my whole life, and I was so lost. I wasn't sure where I was going or what my next steps were. To be honest, I can't say I'm exactly sure what my next steps are now either, but I can say I don't feel as invisible as I did. I can say that I now believe in my worth, in the beauty of my voice, and in the validity of my passion. I feel empowered to fight for the life I know I deserve in spite of all the obstacles in my life. So today and always, I am grateful for Corona and the lessons she has taught me. In this, I am grateful for friends who stick by me and family who always has my back. I was doing this at the beginning of this podcast journey and now I've decided to be consistent. So here are a couple of questions for you to reflect on after listening to this episode. First question is, what are some areas of your life where you feel the weight of the performance? Follow up to that is where do you think the pressure comes from? Second question, have you ever found yourself reflecting on the origin of certain traits and aspects of your present personality? Before I sign out, special shout-outs to Edge the DJ for the intro and outro music. I appreciate you. Don't forget to follow, like, comment, subscribe, and all that other good stuff. Send me a DM, send me a tweet, anything. I'd love to hear from you. I would leave you with a line from Chicago PD doesn't happen all at once rather inch by inch have a wonderful next two weeks and god bless